beginning of something new. This is the month of change, yes. And we kind of have a love-hate relationship with change, don't we? Uh, there are some things that we love. We love uh, weddings and new babies and things like that. But then change also brings that uncomfortable place of knowing that we need to do things differently. We need to think differently. We need to position ourselves differently. So it's kind of a, like I said, it's a love-hate thing. But we're going to talk about why change is here to stay, why it's not going anywhere, and what we can do to position ourselves to put ourselves in the place that we can actually be propelled forward by change rather than being immobilized or paralyzed by fear and able to move forward because everything around us has changed. So we're going to talk about that. I have the position this morning of laying the foundation for change, some principles that are involved with change, some things that we need to know as a foundation so that the other pastors can come along behind and lay some specific things in place. So if you, I'm going to try to make myself stay with my notes today, which is very difficult to do, but there are some things I want to make sure that get mentioned as by way of foundation for us this morning. How many of you here love change, just love everything about it? Oh, we've got a few intrepid souls. I love it. Good. How many of you are not so thrilled with change? It represents a whole lot of other things to us. Well, I have good news and bad news. The good news for those of you that loves change is nothing stays the same. The good news for those of you that hate change is nothing stays the same. And depending on our point of reference, depending on our frame of mind, depending on how we position ourselves, will determine how change affects us or how we are affected and propelled forward by change. Now, it's going to seem like, since I'm starting laying the foundation, it's going to seem like I'm using examples of unwanted change, th change that is thrust upon us, because that's usually the thing that we have the most difficulty handling, right? A lot Good change isn't quite as difficult. We still have to make an adjustment to it, but we like it, and so we, we, we deal with it. But let's get started here. Ecclesiastes, to everything there is a what? To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Now there are, I did, a re, I did research, there are 7.34 billion, billion with a B, people on the planet today. And every single person faces the same inevitability. And that is, we are all going to have to deal with change in our life. Now, the present season you're in has a shelf life. That could be good news. If you're in a season where you're just hanging on by the thread of your toenails, and you're just like, Lord, is this season ever going to end? Is this pain ever going to end? Is this heartache ever going to end? Are my financial woes ever going to end? The present season has a shelf life. It will end. You will wake up one morning and it will be behind you because everything changes. You might be in a season that you love. You love the season where your children are. You love, you're in love with your wife. You're in love with your husband. Your finances are in a good place. Your children are grown and out of the house. You love it. Your children are away in college. You have young babies in your arms and you love it. Guess what? 
that season will end as well because everything changes. Now, God is the one that established the principle of change because he created time. He created day and night. He created the seasons. And that very fact alone instigated and started the process of change in our life. There are seasons. Spring gives way to summer. Summer gives way to fall. We know that. So God is the one that instituted this idea that everything changes except him. And so one of the things we want to establish this morning and then this month is how do we handle change? Good change, bad change, how do we handle it? We know the Bible says that all things work together for good, right? We know the verse, we quote that verse. But when something happens to us, it's not, we don't understand how God can make that be for our good. So let's get started. Even change we've advocated for or change that we've initiated, like, let's get married. Hey, honey, let's get married. I, you know what? We've been dating for a couple years now. Let's get married. Even change that we want, does, does marriage change absolutely everything about your life? Absolutely. We want, we want to be married. We, we love him. We love her. Let's have children. Let's have a baby. Let's have a baby. I want someone that looks just like you, only smaller. Does that welcomed, initiated, prayed for change your life? Absolutely, in every conceivable way, including economic. All right, so I'm going to go through some basics today. Mine isn't as much fun as some of the other pastors will have, but it's necessary, so I'll do it. Four distinct types of changes that we will experience. Every single one of you sitting there, myself included, we're all going to experience all of these changes. Not just one, but all of these changes. The first one are changes that happen to us. We're not part of the decision. We didn't get a vote. But we are affected by the decision that was made. Um, career, you might have a boss that's downsizing, a company that's downsizing. They didn't ask you what you thought about that. They didn't ask your opinion. Um, financial reversals, windfalls, unexpected divorce, death in the family, inheritance. You didn't ask for it. It just happened. Change that happens around us. Change that affects our city. Every week we pray for our city because we are affected as citizens of Orlando. We are affected by what goes on in this city. We're affected by the laws that are enacted, by the ordinances that are upheld. We are affected. I-4, driving on I-4, who is affected by our city? By just the very, just something as simple as driving on the roads. We are affected by that. Our city, we are affected by things that happen around us. Elections affect us. Wars affect us. Diseases, flus, that affects us. That happens around us and we are affected. We have to adjust and make changes. Changes that happen within us. Emotional changes we go through. Physical changes. We're going to get to these specifically. Got a diagnosis, diabetes, heart attack. These things affect us. Okay, and then change that happens because of us. Change that we've initiated. All right, let's keep going. Some principles of change, some things we need to know. Change never stops. It is continual. When you're sleeping, guess what's changing? Cells in your body are changing. 
life is continually moving forward. And that's a hard concept to understand because we want, especially if we're in a season that we love, we kind of want things to just, if you just stay like this. Sometimes we build structures in place in our mind or, or, or around us physically that, to try to make things stay the same, and it's not possible. Change is continual. There's an old saying that says you can't step into the same river twice. If you think about that, that is so true because you think, well, it's the same river. I'm still stepping, but everything has changed. The, the river is flowing. The life under the water is flowing. It's never the same, even if you're stepping in the same place. You can't step in the same river twice, and that's how life is. Life is continually moving. One of the things about life moving and, and the fact that it's continual is, is like I said before, we're really double-minded about it because in some sense we love the new technology. Is there anyone here that would like to go back to a dial-up phone? You have one phone in your home, it's attached to the wall, and you had to drive around looking for... <laughs> yeah, I don't believe you, but anyway. And you have to go find a phone booth. Are any of y'all old enough to remember trying to find a phone booth and ask for directions? Not that the men ever did that, but we all, we all looked for phone booth and the old maps. No, nobody wants to go back to that. Us women especially, we love our phones and we love our GPS. Driving around the city at night, we want to know where we're going. So nobody wants to go back to that. We like technology. We want to wear the latest styles. We don't want to be, you know, wear the styles they wore back in the 1800s. We like some change. We like vacuum cleaners, and our husbands like dishwashers, because now they can do the dishes too, and we like all these new things. We don't want to go back to, to, to bringing our water back from the well. We like change in some areas, but <laughs> just very quickly, I don't even like it when my computer, and for those of you all that do computer things, I have a hard time when it updates automatically, because it seems like it changes the settings on my computer. I'm always having to call my friend, can you help me? Yeah, well, anyway, so we like things, but before I go to that next one, I want to say one thing here that's, that's a bit more serious. Um, we're not taught to deal with change. Most of us did not have parents that sat down with us and said, you know, Billy, things aren't always going to be the way they are now. Life is constantly changing. And one of the things that breaks my heart about the increase in teen suicide now, yes, bullying is a huge factor. Yes, there are things that the internet and social media is a huge factor. We, we acknowledge that fact. But part of the, the mentality now with teen suicide, in my opinion, is that young people are not taught Things will not always be this way. You will not always be in middle school. There's coming a day that you walk out of these doors and you won't see these people again. And I feel like that, that a lot of young teens have this mentality that this is the way life is. Life will never get better for me. Life will never look different to me than it does now. My life will always be like this. And they've never been taught that everything has a season. The season that they're going through will change. They feel like they're on the very bottom now, but the day is coming that they won't feel that way. And if they can just understand, that's not taught in our curriculums in school. 
Parents aren't sitting down with their children and saying, look, life moves forward. Let's learn how to, let's make a plan forward so that you'll feel differently next month. You can feel differently next in six months. We're not skilled at it. People don't naturally like change. Even though our body changes itself, we don't want to accept that things will be different next week or next month. We only learn how badly we handle change is when we handle change badly. When something's happened and we recognize, I didn't, I didn't handle that situation very well. I could have done something different and it would have changed everything about how my life looks now if I had just handled that situation differently. One of the things I love about the Bible is it does teach us how to change. It gives us so many examples of people whose lives were totally turned upside down by circumstances and how they walked through that adversity, how they walked through those things, and they met change head on. They responded to change and didn't react to it. I read this quote, um, the details of our lives change continually. I read this quote by an author named Pearl Buck. Most of you older people are familiar with her. She was a Pulitzer Prize winner and a Nobel, Nobel Prize winner as well. She said, you can judge your age by the amount of pain you feel when you come into contact with a new idea. That is so true. Just adults and computers, it, it tells you right there. But you, you can multiply that by so many things. But the details of our lives change dramatically. Knowledge, everything that you know right now will change. You'll add, you'll add to more knowledge. You'll have more increased knowledge. You might uh, have to unlearn some things. Your interests will change. How many of you are interested in different things at 40 than you were at 18? Your view is different. There's nothing sadder than a 40-year-old man or woman that's still trying to act like they're 20, trying to act like they're 18. Life moves on. Life changes. It's continually flowing. And we as believers should be on the cutting edge of change. The first ones to welcome and let it propel us to God's plan for us. Your priorities will change. Do you still want the same thing at 50? that you wanted at 21. Your core values, of course, won't change. Your core values will stay the same, but your interests will change. The things that are important to you will change. How many of you at 18 thought you'd be driving a minivan at 30? <laughs> I love, Callie keeps raising her hand, I love it. But seriously, I have one of the girls in my, on my team that she's, she fought a minivan, she fought it, she fought it and fought it, and then one day she embraced the change and bought the minivan. Her life is forever changed. She loves it. How many of you, we, th we need a boat, we need a boat, we need a boat, we need a boat, we gotta have a boat, we gotta have a boat. Ten years later, I don't want this stupid boat, I don't want this boat. Wait, how can we get rid of this boat? How can we not lose money on this boat? Our interests change. What we focus on changes. You have young children changes than when you have children going off to college. Everything changes. Your body changes. Do I need to say anything else? <laughs> Do I need to point anything out? 
Do I need to elaborate? <laughs> I'm meddling. <laughs> Your body at 15. Oh, I mean, come on. We're talking perfection. Your body at 25, it's wonderful. Body at 35, it's great. Body at 45, marvelous. 55, awesome. 65, yep. <laughs> 75, we're still in there. I don't even need to spend any time on that. Your body changes. Your family network changes. People get married. Your family gets bigger. Children come along. Sadly, sometimes families divorce. People divorce. Grandparents, nan and pop-ups go on to be with the Lord. Your family network changes. How do we handle that? Your marriage relationship changes. I know it seems like I'm just pointing out the obvious, but all these things are part of the fabric of our life. And if we're not aware of it, if we don't know how to, how to deal, how to respond, how to make it work for us, we're left cynical and angry and hurt and lost. Your marriage changes. Started out, he was chasing you around the room. Maybe 80 years later, you're chasing him around the room. Or both of you sit down because you're exhausted at 90. I don't know. But I know that the relationship changes. It's all good, but it changes. Let's keep going. Change is inevitable. It's inevitable. It's not healthy for us to think that life will never change, that the season will always be here. That the seasons don't change. That's not healthy. All right. So different ways to respond to change. We're going to see if we can see ourselves in these different responses. Because the following weeks, we're going to learn how to respond in a healthy way to the changes that are thrust upon us and changes that we want to see happen. So the first is just say no. 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 Not going to happen. Let's, let's, I'm going to read one verse, and we're all very familiar with this story, but I'll read it because it's a great example of the first response that we can have. Someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Well, which one? The man asked. Jesus replied, you must not murder, commit adultery, you must not steal, testify falsely, but you must honor your mother and father, love your neighbors yourself. I've obeyed all these commandments. Now, I just think that's amazing that a rich young man, which we'll find out that's who's talking to Jesus, this, he says, I've done all that. I, I just find that amazing. I could just stop right there, but what else must I do? What do I need to add to what I'm already doing so that I can be sure I have eternal life? If you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions. Give the money to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Come and follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad. He said, no. He said, no, because he had many possessions. I, I, this story is amazing to me for so many reasons that we don't have time to go into. But 
first of all, how, it, it's not recorded that many times that Jesus said to someone, Reese, come and follow me. He said it to the disciples. And there's a few other instances, but most people, he said, go back to your home. Go back to your city. Go back to your friends. Go back to the sick. Go back and tell them what I've done. But to this man, this young man, he said, I want you personally to come and follow me. That's astounding. Now, we all have that invitation today in the New Testament to come and follow Jesus. But this man was talking to Jesus face to face. Jesus said, come, follow me. And he said, no. Well, he didn't say no. Yes, he said no. Jesus said, I need you to change. He goes, what else do I have to add? Okay, I've done that and that. that. What, what, What can I add to my routine? And Jesus is like, no. I, you, I don't want you to add anything. I want you to change the way you're living your life. I want you to change what you value. Right now you value your possessions because you have a lot. You value your wealth because you have much. You value the law because you know to keep all of these things. But Jesus said, I want you to change your loyalty. I want you to value what I say is important. I want you to trust in me, not in what you possess. And he said, no. He was very sad about it, but he still said, no. We do the same thing when change comes into our life. This young man, with all his money, with all his wealth, will always be remembered as the man who walked away sad. Say, I can't, I just can't do that. I, I can't. I can't change. I can do something different. I can add to. But to totally change, I can't do it. Another way we respond to change is we just deny. And as we're talking about change, I want you to think about your specific situation. Because there's a lot of things that we could address that we don't have time to address. But you know where you are. You know what change you're facing. Whether it's in a relationship, whether it's at work, emotionally some things need to change, physically you need to make some changes, financially you need to make some changes, some real changes, not just I won't eat out. Some people just deny when, when change comes into our life or we are presented with a change, if it threatens our comfort, if it threatens our security, what makes us feel safe, what makes me feel good to spend that much money, it makes me feel good to have every man likes me, it makes me feel good to want to have this many, it makes me feel safe. When change threatens how important we feel, we just deny it. Oh, it's not happening. What change does is it introduces tomorrow to today. We don't, none of us wake up, ding, and 50 years have passed, and everything has changed. We're in a whole new world, and cars are now flying, which we all keep waiting for flying cars ever since I was in high school. I keep waiting for the flying car because that's what they say is happening in the future. But none of us wake up to flying cars. We wake up day after day after day, and change in many cases is gradual. 
And so change is how the future is introduced to us today. Change is the, is the vehicle that introduces tomorrow to us today when things change slowly or drastically. So if when you deny that change is happening, that you even need to make a change, you're denying reality. There was a, a retired general, and he said, if you, if you don't like change, you're really not going to like being irrelevant. Because if you keep denying change, over time, you're living in the past. You are living in the past, and you're really going to hate that. All right, let's keep going. Become angry. Some people, when they're forced to see change, or change is thrust on them, they become angry. An angry spirit is immobilizing. It makes you do stupid things. It makes you say stupid things. It makes you make irrational choices. Sometimes we have, there's such nostalgia for the past. It's so familiar. That's one of the reasons I'm so proud of y'all for being able to transition to two services. Because that was a huge change, especially for the third service. Because that was theirs. And I'm so proud of them. Because nostalgia and familiarity sometimes makes us resist change. Oh, I like worship the way it used to be. Oh, I like leadership classes the way they used to be. Oh, I liked my old boss better. Oh, I liked my old house better. Because it's, it's nostalgia and we don't like the feeling of the unfamiliar newness. God has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for your life and change will not affect that. Sometimes we're on a path and, and something changes and we're like, oh my goodness, that, change, that changes everything. But it hasn't thrown God and it hasn't changed his purpose for you. Defy or resist. Man, I, I tell you what, I have to rush on. But I tell you what, if you, look, if you read the papers or you read social media, whatever, however you get your news, never has there been a better time to instruct people to the art of changing. People are kicking and screaming and protesting and rioting. And it's like, okay, if there's an injustice, yes. If there's a, there's a proper way to do those things. But just because, of, just because change is here and you don't like change or, 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 or you didn't get a say in it, that's... Defy and resist. Accept. Women, when you're, when you're pregnant, and most of us in here have been pregnant, you understand that you know that you're pregnant, but your body has to make an accommodation for that, right? The new reality is there's a life growing inside you. Husbands, you have to make accommodations too, but it's in a different way. And you have to, your body has to make accommodation for that new reality. And accepting the fact that there's changes is a good starting place. But we have to do more than that. We have to accommodate the change that we need to make or the change that's been thrust upon us. We have to accommodate it in our mind, in our emotions, spiritually, if we want that change to propel us forward. The last is we need to respond. And we're going to talk about this one more and more in the coming weeks.
Romans 8, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. If you think that change that's come to your life will knock you off of God's, God's plan, will make you take a detour, I tell you that that won't happen. Because everything is working out according to God's purpose. Everything is working out according to God's purpose. His purpose for you is not changed because something has happened that you didn't foresee. We show you, tell you this. To us, life is what? Can you see that word? To us, life is? Is that right? We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. It's unpredictable. But to God, life is always moving toward the fulfillment of his purpose. I'm asking that you let that be a seed sown in your heart this morning. That when change happens, when something that you didn't expect takes place, when you get that phone call, that you recognize that God does not change. We'll be talking about that more in the coming weeks. But the things that are happening, life is always moving toward what God is saying will happen. I believe that. I trust in the unchangeable one. I trust in his word. It will not change. He will always validate his word. And his purpose for you is not changed, is not thwarted, is not sidelined. He is greater than that.